Welcome back to Making Sense of Money, a podcast dedicated to helping consumers navigate some of the challenging financial decisions we all face throughout our lives. I'm Nikki Jankola Shanks, one of your hosts. And I'm Jake Hamilton. Last episode, we talked with Professor Lamont Black about cryptocurrencies. If cryptocurrency and blockchain technology are new to you and you'd like to learn more, be sure to check out that episode. Professor Black did an excellent job of explaining some of the more complicated aspects of cryptocurrencies and making them simple to understand. And I'm the last of your co-hosts, Andrew Pellegrin. I know I say this pretty much every episode, but I am very excited about today's topic, choosing a financial professional, because we're going to be talking to one of my longtime colleagues, mentors, and friends, Kathy Sweedler. So Kathy and I have known each other for over a decade now. And in fact, my very first day in the field of financial education in higher ed uh, was with Kathy training me on how to do it. So Kathy, do you want to talk a little bit about yourself and what you do with University of Illinois Extension? Sure. Thank you for inviting me to be a part of this wonderful series and podcast. I'm just very excited. Um, I work with University of Illinois Extension. I'm a consumer economics educator, which means I get to talk about money and finances all the time, which I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and I, like Andrea said, I've been doing it for a while and just really like to have an opportunity to kind of dig into these topics that are challenging in our daily lives and try to figure out a way to make it a little bit more clear and simple so we can be effective at it. So we should probably put a disclaimer out there as we get started with this topic that IDFPR licenses some financial professionals across the state of Illinois. However, we may be talking about financial professionals that don't require licensing or are licensed and regulated by a different agency. So knowing terminology and questions asked may be very important to finding the right financial professional to help you with whatever your needs may be. Kathy, in your experience, what do you think are the top reasons a person may seek help from a financial professional? Well, I think it's because, you know, there's a lot to know. And we have a lot we need to know in our daily lives. And we don't, you know, we don't come out knowing how to do finances. And some of this stuff gets pretty darn complicated when we get into taxes and retirement planning and investing. And so I think lack of knowledge is one of the main reasons that people reach out to financial professionals, just like I reach out to mechanics when I something goes wrong with my car. I have no knowledge about what to do with that. Um, and then there's convenience. I hear that a lot from people that you know, it's just very convenient to have somebody else do those things. Yes. And it kind of comes under that, like, I don't want to spend my time doing this, you know? So if you're not a person that wants to be, you know, putting time into your finances and quite a few hours at times, you know, doing things like investing or taxes, then hiring somebody else that enjoys it might just be the best route for you. Um, I know that for a lot of people it is. Well, and, and just to go off of what Kathy said, like, clearly I'm in the financial education realm, right? I could talk about a lot of these different topics, but when it comes to implementing my own, I'm definitely of the convenience factor. I'm like, we recently, my husband and I recently went to a financial planner to like get everything straightened out. So that way I could not have to stress that I'm not staying on top of different mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. I, I have one person that I go to to if I have questions and I'm not spending, like Kathy said, hours 
figuring different stuff out. I just don't have the time. And I, the time that I do have, I don't want to spend my time doing that. Like it's not enjoyable for me. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and I mean, there was a time where I did do my household's income taxes. They were a lot more simple when we first started out, you know, it wasn't really all that. It didn't take me that long and it wasn't hard to stay up on the basic rules I needed to know. But now our financial life is a lot more complex and I cannot stay up on the tax rules the way I would feel I needed to and do all the other things I want to do in my life. So, you know, I feel like it's a better use of my time and dollars to hire somebody to do my taxes. So, Yes. I mean, we hadn't gone to see anybody and I had never individually until we had our daughter this past year. And then I was like, all right, now like college is going to be a billion dollars by the time she goes. (laughs) And you know what I mean? Like we've got to figure it out. And so I would much rather spend that time with my daughter rather than managing my finances for her. If that makes sense. So, um, so we know that people get information from many sources related to financial planning and not just financial professionals. Um, For example, a survey done in 2019 by the Employee Benefit Research Institute and Greenwald and Associates indicated people said they receive information for retirement planning from places ranging from financial professionals to employers, to family and friends, online resources, government publications, and more. While a professional financial advisor is high on the list, this just shows people use other resources as well. So many people mean financial planner when they think of a financial professional. Those two two terms seem very linked. So with that in mind, Kathy, can you tell us what does a financial planner do for you? Okay, let's let's back it up just a little bit and look, because I agree those words, financial professional, financial planner, people kind of use them in different ways. So maybe at least we'll define them for this podcast so people know what we're talking about. (laughs) We can be relatively consistent here. To me, financial professional is pretty broad. So it would include somebody who is like an accountant or who does your taxes. Um, They might not do any other kinds of finances, just that tax piece. Or it could be somebody who um, is charge of payroll for a company would be a financial professional. Um, And again, that would be pretty specific Uh, to when we get into more the financial planner, I think where people are thinking is more when you get into things like investments and beyond that. Um, And again, another example of a financial professional could just be like somebody who sells insurance and that's what they do. So the financial planner, I think, is more broad you kind of have this idea that they're going to do more than just one specific kind of finance area. But the interesting thing is, at least in our country, financial planner does not require any specific certification, licensing, degree, credentials. It's just a term. It's not, it's not regulated. It's not, you know, in any way limiting. And so you, as a consumer, when you're looking for somebody to help you with your finances, you need to really kind of dig down. What does that mean to somebody? Because honestly, anybody could hang up a, you know, a sign that says they're a financial planner and that may not meet your needs. 
Um, and so, but when I think of a financial planner, number one, I'm thinking about somebody that does have training and continuing edge and credentials. Um, and they are somebody who's going to take a more comprehensive, holistic approach to helping me. So they're not going to just say how to do my taxes, but they're going to want to know about what are my goals. They're going to want to know about what's important to me. And they're going to look to make sure that my finances are um, kind of working together and complete. So, you know, I have the insurance I need that I am doing my taxes correctly. Now they might not do my taxes for me, but am I work? you know, they'll make sure I either know what I'm doing or I have somebody else doing them. Um, they'll ask me about my estate planning. You know, what happens if I die? What happens to my finances and my, and who's dependent on me? Um, and then again, of course, the thing that I think we think about the most when we talk about financial planners and people use that words is investing, whether that's just investing for growth or investing for retirement or investing so we can send our children to college. Um, so, you know, those different things. So financial professional, very broad. Lots of people filling different specific roles within that. Financial planner, even though it's not a legal term, I think we're looking at more of a holistic approach to helping people with their finances. Does that kind of fit with yeah. what you guys think of or? Um, yes, Kathy, for, for me, I agree with your assessment. I think financial professionals is much broader and then a financial planner, I'm sorry, is broader in terms of all the different types of professions that it can cover. And then a financial planner is talking about that approach about plan, like it exactly planning your life, basically. How are you going to reach your goals? You know, um, I know for me, I when we went to the financial planner, that was one of the first things he asked us was, you know, when you retire, what type of retiree are you guys gonna wanna be? Do you wanna travel? Are you, you know, he's like, I have somebody who's like, I want to own a yacht when I retire, you know, like, how do you plan for that? So Gabby, since you've told us everything that a financial planner might provide, is there anything that they may not provide to your client, to their clients? This is a really good question and kind of a hard one to answer. Um, I... I can tell you just a little bit from my experience, again, because it's not a legally defined term, financial planner, I, I have a feeling that different people kind of run their businesses a little bit different. But I think when that typically um, planners don't expect to be helping people too much with like basic budgeting, like figuring out where your money's going. Um, if they see a problem with that, they might say to you, you need to figure out where your money's going, <laughs> you know, how you're spending. And they might hand you some tools, but that's not like, they're not going to coach you through that um, probably. And then um, another thing would be if they, you know, I've, I've had people referred to me and to our program, Money Mentors, Volunteers, um, because the financial planner says, well, before you can really meet your goals, you're going to need to build up your credit report. And then they've kind of told people, like, that's what you need to do, but they don't necessarily want to spend a lot of time sitting with them and working through what that would be. 
Um, they don't see that as part of their role. Now, I am sure there's probably financial planners who do do that, but that's just sort of typically what I hear about, that that's not their role um, and based on who gets referred to us. So I think it, it, there's probably, you, this is, would be a good question again, I'm gonna be talking a lot about questions to ask people that you think you wanna work for with. And this would be a good question, like what don't you do? Some financial professionals don't do taxes, for example. They would expect your taxes to be done by somebody else. Um, so some financial planners that might be doing all this other planning are like, yeah, we do all the planning part, but we don't do the tax piece. Um, and some, it, there's a limit often for financial planners on estate planning. like you know, they're going to look at the financial piece, but then they may, depending on the size of their firm and who's hired within the firm, it quickly becomes a legal issue. And so then you're going to need a lawyer to help with writing up the will, writing up the trust. Um, in my personal experience, you know, I've had both, um, then I've taken those documents, the will, the trust, back to the financial planner and said, does this still work with the way we have our plan set up? You know, are we, are we in sync? But um, again, that would, might be a piece that could you'd need to go to somebody else for. Thank you for specifying that, Kathy, and kind of talking about the nuances between financial professionals when it comes to the services that they provide or financial planners and what they provide. So, I know that something that we've talked about before when you and I have co-facilitated trainings on this topic, choosing a financial professional, um, is that you see a lot of different titles and designations and credentials when it comes to financial planners like AFC or a PFS, a personal financial specialist, a financial coach, a CPA, a financial planner like we've been talking about a certified financial planner or a CFP, a registered investment advisor or an IRA. There are so many different acronyms to refer to these credentials. And most people kind of want to know, what do these mean? I right. think that makes sense. <laughs> so how should someone go about determining what a financial professional's or financial planner's title or credentials actually mean, Kathy? Well, I think the first thing is I do think it's important to know what it means because it tells you about how much training they have. So to get one of these designations or what I call credentials, um, there's, there's going to be a certain amount of study that has to be done to, to get to that point. There may be tests involved. There may be continuing education requirements to maintain it. All of these things I think are important and they show credibility. Um, and so, you know, finding out, I wish there was a great place I could tell you to go to look up this, you know, just alphabet soup of titles, but I'm not really aware of one. So you would, you know, you can Google what does AFC mean and hopefully it would come up, but probably the more direct route is to ask the person. So, you know, a big part of my whole spiel is trying to empower people to ask questions. Like it's, you have the right as a consumer to ask these questions. And if they, and if you don't get a clear answer back, then I think that tells you something about the person that you're interviewing. And you might want to think about whether or not this is if they just blow it off like, oh, those are just initials, it doesn't matter, that wouldn't make me comfortable. 
you know, even if they're the best initials out there, I still think I need, I could deserve an answer. So, um, so I think finding them out, typically what they refer to is which organization has provided that training and that certification. Thank you, Kathy. I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, so let's let's talk a little bit about the broader scope of financial professionals. So we kind of focused on financial planners and what they mean and kind of the services that they provide. Um, financial professionals, as we've talked about already, can include credit counselors, tax professionals, financial coaches, lawyers, real estate agents, financial service agents at banks or credit unions. And these types of professionals don't necessarily do things like retirement planning or investment advice, although they, they might in some capacity, depending on what they are, kind of what their services are. Um, but if like you need a credit counselor, for instance, to get help with uh, you're getting your credit back on track, a good source to find one might be the National Foundation for Credit Counseling, which we can link to in the show notes. Um, if you're looking for help with like budgeting or getting finances organized or staying motivated towards your financial goals, you might seek out a financial coach. So there are many types of organizations that provide financial coding, coaching, including the University of Illinois Extension's Money Mentors Program, which I think Kathy has kind of talked about in passing a couple of times, um, or uh, military or college programs might also provide financial coaching. The unit that I run, the Student Money Management Center, actually refers all of our financial coaching requests to the Money Mentors Program that Kathy oversees. Kathy, is there anything that you'd like to add for people that might be seeking out one of these financial professionals or even the Money Mentors Program and kind of what services that Money Mentors can provide? Sure. Thanks for that opportunity. Um, so one of the things I was thinking when you're reading through that whole list of different kind of financial professionals is like, whoa, there's a lot of choices out there. How did, how did people figure out where to go and when to go? And, you know, I think um, maybe the first step in this whole process is to think about what financial services do you need today? You know, these things change over our life and different times and needs. Um, you know, if you're looking to buy a house, then I'm not sure that you know you want to go to somebody who for that particular moment in time you want to go to somebody who's specializing in you know buying stocks and bonds because they're like different things so you want to look for what expertise do you need now and then you know and that's going to take a little sit down talk to yourself talk to your partner about where are we focusing right now what is it that's the highest priority for us and how do we kind of work through this because jumping all the way to a comprehensive financial planner could be more expensive or more time consuming or just not the right direction for where you wanna be right at this moment. So that was the first thing I thought of is, what do you need? And then that was a pretty darn comprehensive list. So thank you, Andrea. But the other one I thought of is sometimes we forget that we have employee benefits through our workplace where we can get help with um, setting up investments, thinking about um, retirement planning. And often um, those can be good resources at least to start with. And again, are often free. 
So um, I just wanna throw that out there as another option to add to our list. Um, I do wanna talk about our Money Mentors Volunteer Program just kind of quickly. We cover right now about 11 counties in Illinois, so it's a little bit limited. Um, but essentially, um, people who want to help out in their community go through training with University of Illinois Extension educators. Um, it's a minimum of 30 hours of training, and then they become volunteers. And then people who are looking for help um, with those things like that budgeting, debt management, those kinds of things can ask for help from a money mentor and we match them up. So we match up the person looking for help with a volunteer and they can get one-on-one -on -one, um, financial coaching and educational resources from that mentor. So I'm pretty proud of that program. It's something I started out. I think it's working well in our communities, but again, it has a real kind of narrow focus. Like it's not, we don't do taxes. <laughs> we don't do investing. We don't do, you know, we can talk about insurance terms and what you might need to know, but we don't sell insurance. So you kind of have to know what you need before you can decide where to go. I think that's my takeaway message. Thanks, Kathy. Um, that's a great answer. Uh, there's a lots of, lots of places to look. Um, but so we're gonna switch gears a little bit and talk about some definitions. When choosing a financial professional, an important concept to understand is the term fiduciary. Kathy, can you talk about what it means to be a fiduciary and how that applies to financial professionals? Yeah, fiduciary is a really cool word and, and concept. And I think um, one that we don't hear like every day out there, but good to talk about. So fiduciary, when somebody has a fiduciary relationship to you, it means they have to do what is best for you. And we kind of operate in this world pretty commonly um, when we think about it, when you go to see a physician, for example, physicians have a fiduciary relationship to their patients. We all just sort of assume that they will, and they have to by law, but anyway, because they're fiduciaries, that they will give us their best information and they will tell us our best options. And they will do that without thinking about how that will affect their pay situation. Um, where they get paid more or less. And, and we, work, we operate in that and we have that trust because they are a fiduciary. Um, if somebody has a power of attorney, that is a fiduciary relationship. They must do what's best for the person they have the power of attorney for. Some financial professionals have um, agreed to be fiduciaries and they have that as part of what they, you know, what their package that they're giving to their clients. Other financial professionals are not fiduciary, but they, even when a financial professional is not a fiduciary, they still have to give people good options for them. They can't just give bad options. That, if it's really not suitable for that person that they're working with, then that's not considered a legal thing. They have to at least be suitable, but it doesn't have to be best. If they're not fiduciary, they can think about their commissions or how much they would be making for um, selling a product. So let's think about it again in an example that we kind of are familiar with or more likely to be. And that is um, a car salesperson. When I go to buy a car, I know that that salesperson wants to have a good relationship with me. They want to sell a car 
And they probably, if they're a good salesperson, want to sell me a car in five more years. And in five more years, they want me to be a return customer. So they want me to be satisfied. They want me to be happy. So they're going to think of, ask me, you know, what do you need? What are you interested in? What's going to work best for you? And they're going to show me cars that meet those goals and those needs. Now, if in the process of buying the car, though, I get really excited about the idea of some extras like, you know, uh, a convertible or fancy leather seats or a different paint job, it's not the role of the salesperson to say, wait a minute, Kathy, do you really want to spend that money on those extras? I don't expect the salesperson to, you know, try to tell me what my best option is. Like you really might not need a convertible in Illinois. Um, and so, you know, I have no expectation of that. I realize that they're gonna, you know, they are considering how much they're gonna make. It's that's part of their job. And I need to be aware of that. And I think most people when they go to buy a car are pretty aware of that. So when you're choosing a financial professional, you wanna ask somebody, are they, how do they get paid? And do they have a fiduciary relationship with you? All financial professionals are going to get paid unless they're literally a volunteer, like a money mentors volunteer. But other than that, they're not really financial professionals. They're volunteers. Um, and so the question is, how are they getting paid? Is it going to be a set amount based on the like a like kind of a stipend for the work they're doing is it going to be by hour you know if it takes five hours to do your taxes at this fact at this rate and that's how much it is or is it going to be by commission or is it going to be some combination and all financial professionals should be able to tell you before you start working with them how they're going to be paid and give you an estimate on that um, if they are a fiduciary they will be fee-based only they will not be um, by commission. So th that's kind of like, to me, the big differences um, in between a fiduciary and how it relates to the financial field. So just to, to interject a little bit with what Kathy was saying or reinforce it, I know for me personally, you know, I think when you sit down and, and you make the decision that you do want to go see a financial planner, it is overwhelming to try to find one. Cause like Kathy said, there's not like a portal where you could go and take a quiz and outspit the perfect financial planner for you who specializes in things. So for us, um, I asked people that I know and trust and my aunt had had one, um, well has one. And she had a personal relationship with this person from before he actually even became a financial planner. Um, so she trusted him and she's like, go see him, you know, no pressure if you like him, et cetera. So we did, and we did really like him. Part of the reason why I liked him is because he was very good at explaining things in a way mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. easy to understand because I did not want somebody that I could not understand and he I didn't even have to ask about fees that was in his first like 10 minutes of you know here's my spiel about what I can do for you he was very upfront with how he gets paid um which I I greatly appreciated because I think that's something you need to know and I, it, it did make me trust him a little bit to be like, oh, you know what I mean? I don't have to ask this question and pretend like you're not going to get paid, right? Like he was very upfront with how the fee structure was. So um, 
like Kathy said, definitely advocate for yourself and, and ask the questions and make sure your, your planner is the right fit. But that's how, that's how my personal experience was. And Nikki, I really liked how you said, you know, it was important to you that you could communicate easily with them and that you could understand their answers, because I think that's one of the key things, too. And I often recommend people, um, you know, set up and do an interview with uh, maybe a couple, two or three different financial professionals and see who's a good match for you. Who, when they you ask a question, do you feel like you understand the answers? Who has the expertise in the area that you're most concerned with? You can ask like, what does their clients usually look like? What are their, you know, what are their expertise in areas they mostly work in? And does that match you? So asking those questions and, and seeing, you know, just who feels comfortable because you're hoping to set up kind of a long-term relationship and you want to be able to go back and as your life changes, ask different questions and have that keep going. And, you know, I know that even if we're not experts in a topic, people should be able to understand the answer they're giving you. It, it, you know, you, they need to be able to put it into terms that make sense to you. And it might make, you know, it, it, it's, they could still be a good financial professional for somebody else, but maybe not you if it's just not a good communication style. So I think that comparison shopping really makes a difference. Just you get to see how you really feel about them. And I will also say that for me personally, when you're talking about communication styles, I am a very visual person. It is very hard for me with numbers to just hear something and understand where it's going, right? Like, I just do better when everything is mapped out visually for me. And I told him that. And every time he gives me anything like, oh, we should try this. We should try. There's always accompanying graphs that show me like if we decide to put this much per month in um, Chris's 529 plan, this is how much it will grow in this time, roughly, right? Like, so he, I, I said like, you just spitting numbers at me isn't going to help me. My, my husband was a math major. So like, he's fine. But I was like, I, I, I need a little bit more. <laughs> and so he was very willing to do that. And so I think um, it's intimidating when you can meet with a financial planner, depending on your lo level of comfort with any of these topics. And um, just again, advocate for yourself. Like, what do you need to understand? And if, your the person you're meeting with can't give that to you, then that's just not the right fit for you. That's right. That's right. So as we mentioned earlier, IDFPR, where Jake and I work, license some financial professionals, such as public accountants and certified public accountants, but not all financial professionals. So if you've been listening to us for a while, um, Jake and Andrea talked to Heather from who manages the Division of Professional Regulation um, a few months ago now about the many professions that are licensed in Illinois. It was our 18th episode to be exact. So Heather said in that episode, IDFPR does not regulate all professionals in professions in Illinois. For example, attorneys are regulated by a different agency. So you could look up some professional credentials in Illinois using the license lookup tool. Um, so we'll link that into the show notes um, from the IDFPR page. And you could also look up individual license to sell securities, such as stocks and bonds. Um, for that, you can reach out to the Illinois Securities Department, which again, we'll link in the show notes because the um, 
it's, it's unfortunately not an easy website to go to, of course, it's very long. So bad um, audio medium. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't want um, us reading he, URLs on the, on the podcast. <laughs> bad podcasting. So we'll have both of those in the show notes for you. Um, but where else can someone go to investigate licensing and credentials for financial professionals, Kathy? Well, actually, I think you just listed them. <laughs> so those would be the two I would say. Um, and I would really stress if you are working with somebody to buy or sell securities, that does require a license. So we talked about how a financial planner term, you can, anybody can do that. But to buy and sell securities like stocks and bonds, you do need to be licensed by the Illinois Securities Department. And if I don't care who the person is that you think you're going to go work with, it could be, you know, your husband's best friend or your, you know, neighbor's best nephew, call or look or, or go to the website and check that they are licensed. Because I, over the years, unfortunately, have heard of too much fraud where people are buying and selling securities and they don't have a license. To, so in my mind, it's the best way to avoid that fraud. Um, and so, you know, just do it. It takes five minutes. It's nothing to check. Um, and, and then, you know, that they're licensed and it's, it's, it, it's not the, it won't, it's not a hundred percent guaranteed that fraud can't happen, but it really eliminates just about all of it. So that's my thing. I don't know of any other better ones. I think those are good. Thank you, Kathy. And, and obviously this podcast targets people in Illinois. If you are in another state and you are trying to figure out if someone in your state can sell securities, you'll probably have to check with your state authorities to make Absolutely. sure they're licensed in their state. And we can go back to, um, you know, if you're in another state, then I would start out with FINRA's broker check. Um, so FINRA.org and it pops right up for you. Thank you, Kathy. So we've, we've talked a little bit about some of the definitions. We've talked a lot about different considerations when it comes to choosing a financial professional or financial planner, and even some tools to know about when it comes to choosing one. However, we haven't really talked procedurally about it. Like what is the actual process from start to finish? We've touched on different pieces of it. Yeah. But what is step-by-step how you would suggest someone goes through choosing and working with a financial professional. I need your recipe for success, Kathy. All right. I think, like I said, we have been kind of talking around this, so let's pull it all together. Number one, what do you need? What do you want? What do you, you know, what, what are you trying to do? And then what's the best expertise that will help you get there? Number two, how do you start finding people? And as Nikki said, asking people you know, what, who they've been working with, going online, um, you know, like the Financial Planning Association has a website where you can put in your zip code and then find somebody that way, or NAPFA, the National Association of um, Personal Financial Advisors, did <laughs> I just get that right? Uh, also has that tool for their people who fit their membership. 
um, fee only financial planners. So I think both of those are great tools as well to find a financial planner. Now, one of the things to keep in mind is sometimes I hear, well, there's no financial planner in my town that fits into, you know, fee only or certified financial planner. And that's what I want to find. Um, you're probably not going to see your financial planner as often as you go to the grocery store. So you don't really need them to be, in my mind, you know, within a five minute drive. You're, this is going to be something where you do maybe at the most four times a year, probably, unless it's just getting set up and you might have some additional meetings. So, you know, expand your geographic area when you're doing using their search en engines. I have tried a lot of rural areas in Illinois, and if you expand it to 25, 60 miles, you'll find somebody that meets your criteria, I think. So, um, you know, just keep that in mind. And a lot of people today, of course, are doing them by online as well. So then you don't have to drive. But uh, that's just something to kind of keep in mind. So, you know, find some people, go out and meet them, talk to them, you know, do a Zoom call, do a phone meeting if that's more convenient um, and ask them questions about things. You can look on our Choosing a Financial Professional website through University of Illinois Extension. And we have a, a free downloadable um, kind of interview guide to kind of help you think about what questions to ask. So that could be helpful. So you, you know, compare, we already talked about finding a good match for you um, with the communication style. And then I guess one other thing to throw in there is your needs may change over the years and it's okay to change if your needs have changed. So I know sometimes people hesitate, they don't wanna make somebody else feel bad, um, but they don't have to be doing a bad job for you to wanna change. It could be that you need something different than what they can provide. Um, and so, you know, evaluate what your, how things are going periodically and decide, do you need to have a conversation to ask for more or do you need to make a change when, if that's something that comes up for you? So you'll find it's kind of interesting over your life. You'll probably use different financial professionals and that'll be okay. I think Kathy, going back to the role of a medical professional, your doctor as a fiduciary, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes even with medical professionals, we get a second opinion when we're diagnosed with something. So if you get to a point in your life where you're trying to make a big transition and you want a second opinion on your financial plan, that's not a bad thing. That's a good no. thing. No, that's not a bad thing at all, especially if you're looking at retirement and making some decisions that are kind of like a one time and then I get to live with it for 30 years decision, like when to take your social security or when to start your retirement benefits, definitely ask more than one person. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. I thought it was a good point too, you know, that, you know, as your life changes, you know, sometimes you might, you'll, you'll need different things. Um, you know, as you know, people go through different phases in life, whether it's like, you know, you got, you're maybe at a point where you're trying to get married and then maybe you want to buy a house or maybe you're considering having a family, having kids, like all of those things, you know, can, can mean very different thing for your own personal finances. So, having different people or different financial professionals that specialize in different areas can, can be helpful. You know, you don't have to stick with one person or one professional, um, you know, for your whole life. Yeah, you probably won't, to be honest. So. Yeah, you probably won't. Right. I mean, it just, it, but it's sometimes I know it feels uncomfortable for people to think about changing. Like, well, I've always been with this firm. I've always gone to this person. And then, you know, you might, 
I just like to kind of say it, normalize it, that we do these kinds of changes are normal to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay, so we've we've talked about the process of, you know, this process of finding one, but let's say that uh, some of our listeners, you know, might not think it's best for them to have a financial professional, or maybe they feel like they maybe can't afford one and they want to take a do-it-yourself uh, approach to financial planning, a little DIY. Um, what tools might our listeners want to use if they're doing some financial planning tasks like taxes or retirement planning by themselves? Well, I guess, um, you know, if I don't have a problem with people doing it for themselves, I don't want to give that sense that everything has to go to a financial professional because I don't actually feel that way. I think there's times when it makes a lot of sense to use a financial professional, but there's also times when it just, it makes sense to do it yourself. And, and it is always value in understanding what the financial professionals are talking about and doing. And so staying on top of it and learning about it is important no matter which route you go. And so I guess, you know, the first thing I think of if you're going to do it yourself is take time to educate yourself. You're not born knowing this stuff. And in a lot of it's relatively random, especially taxes, in my opinion. Um, and so, you know, it's not intuitive that how you would have to do some of these things. So you're going to need to carve out time to educate yourself and give yourself time to work on it. You know, there's been lots of funny surveys over the years, but I always remember one that said, we spend more time each year planning our vacations than we do our financial lives. And I think that's probably, you know, uh, true, because who wouldn't rather spend time on their vacations? So, um, you know, so, but then looking at different tools, I mean, there's a lot of great webinars out there, um, like Get Savvy, for example, that talks about different aspects that can help you, but there's lots of other ones. There's goods online um, software for different, you know, to give you information, to help you with your taxes, to try to think through your retirement, um, you know, decisions and how much do you want when you retire, um, you know, and I think, you know, just starting to explore those and to see, you know, which ones work well for you, talking to other people that are, that you might know, or that are on forums that about what are they using and how does that work for them? Where are the holes? What works well? Um, you know, I think that it's very doable to learn how to do these things for yourself. And then it's just a matter of kind of going back to what Nikki said, there comes a point, there may be a point in your life when you're like, okay, I could do this, but the amount of time it would take me to stay up to the point where I want to feel confident, maybe it's not related, you know, it's not what I want to do right now, or you, you just get into it and you want to keep doing it. That's great too. So time, it's always a big issue for me. And then also staying educated about all the different options out there. Kathy, thank you for plugging the Get Savvy webinar series, which we like to plug on this podcast a lot. For our listeners, you know we've been listing lots of different Get Savvy webinar topics that we've talked about. Kathy is one of our co-facilitators on that webinar series and has been from the beginning. So thank you, Kathy. Yeah. So we like to wrap these episodes up with a little bow to help consumers take action after listening to all this really great information that we've discussed. So Kathy, how would you summarize how to choose a financial professional in less than one minute? Less than one minute. All right, first decide, do you wanna hire a financial professional or do you wanna do it yourself? What are your needs? 
specifically, what do you want and what expertise do you want in a financial pro professional? And then do your homework when you're choosing a financial professional. Check if they're licensed, if they need to be. Figure out if they match your um, communication style and make yourself kind of work through that process and get them hired. Thank you, Kathy. I think that was well under a minute. So, so great job, Kathy. <laughs> Uh, but thank you so much for joining us today, Kathy. We really appreciate your knowledge and experience today. Uh, is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know before we finish up? I just say congratulations for thinking about this because it's a really easy thing to put off where you're like, oh, I should do something about my financial life tomorrow, next week, in a year, after, the, you know, when I have a chance, after my vacation. And listening into this podcast means, hey, you've taken that first step to really thinking about what do you want to do with your financial life and how are you going to improve your financial well-being going forward? So, hey, congratulations. Kathy, that reminded me, your statement just reminded me of uh, the first time I met with a financial professional. I was in my mid-20s um, and I just went to one of those meetings on retirement planning with our employer, University of Illinois. And the financial professional there was so excited to see someone less than 30 that he spent most of our time talking about how good it was that someone under 30 met with him. I just thought it was funny. He was no, just really fired up true. about your time value of money, Andrea. That's, I know the true. potential there is so He kept high. talking about it. It was, <laughs> it was very funny. But I think that's true too. Like, especially, I don't want to put everybody in one basket, but like, I know, I know that me personally, I didn't really think about it until I was older. Right. So, but you need to think about it younger, really. So you could, you know, not be 85 when you retire. <laughs> it's a good point, Nikki, but I will also say if you haven't done it yet, no matter what your age is now is better than in five years. So, you know, starting now is a good point because, you know, actually I didn't start particularly young. Um, you know, I had a lot of education years. We were having children, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of money to put away. So, uh, but when you get started, then that's the good time and to do it as soon as you can. But sometimes we have other goals and things in place too that we want to do. Um, but, you know, taking charge of your finances is hard and a challenge. And if you reach out to a financial professional and they don't appreciate the fact that you're reaching out and they kind of like say, well, you're not ready or you aren't the right person, go somewhere else. You are the right person and you are, there is a person out there that will work with you and you don't have to have a ton of money to work on your finances. I think we've mentioned that several times in this podcast. You don't have, a, have to have a lot of money to get started. Exactly. Well, we just, I just want to say thanks again to Kathy. And we've mentioned this before, but for our listeners that may have missed it when we were talking about it earlier in this podcast, um, we partner with her on the Get Savvy Grow Your Green Stuff webinar series. And, you know, we do like to plug it because we've all, we're all a part of it. Um, and she did co facilitate a recorded web webinar on this topic just a couple years ago. So we will link it in the show notes. So if you want to kind of dive in a little bit more and see something visually, um, 
highly suggest you check out that YouTube video. Thank you, Nikki. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Jake. Uh, and thanks for all of you listening today. I would like to let everyone know who's been listening for a while that, that Kathy also co-hosts a podcast with a couple of our previous guests, Kamaya Wallace-Bichard and Stacia Grabenstetter called Family Financial Feuds, which we can also share in the show notes. They have a little, little bit different flavor of what they um, kind of cover, but it's very entertaining. I usually like to binge it as I'm wrapping up stuff at the end of the calendar year. <laughs> so I think I'll hand it over to Jake to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, so to our listeners, thanks for tuning in and join us on our next episode when we talk about establishing and growing an emergency savings. Um, so please subscribe, like, and share, and rate the podcast if you want to. Uh, so that other consumers can enhance their financial knowledge along with you. Uh, thanks for listening.